The Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I'm delighted to welcome uh, Sakari Palava to the Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan. Sakari is general partner at uh, Vendep Capital, who've invested in exciting B2B SaaS ventures like Zolo, Brella, and uh, Leadfeeder. So, uh, Sakari, welcome to this week's show. Thanks, Gary, for having me on. And it's really, really exciting to be on this podcast. What were you doing before Vendep, and why did you launch the Vendep Fund? My career, in short, is that I was always interested in packaged software companies like Microsoft. And I studied in, at the Aalto University here in the Helsinki area, went to work for a company called uh, F-Secure. Back then it was called Data Fellows. And what we did is packaged software. And at Data Fellows, we also started, we were in the antivirus space. So we also started to sell not just a subscription to the antivirus updates, but sell the software through telecoms operators as a SaaS service. So I got my hands dirty in, in, in SaaS fairly early on, you know, in 1997. We called it Security as a Service. And then went to TVM Capital in Munich and Boston, did some Series A, Series B investing, came back to Finland and met Hanno and Juppe, who had a very interesting model to invest in startups. Invest R&D engineers out of India into companies in the, in the Valley and in Finland to launch online businesses, classified marketplaces, and some B2B software. And that's how we got started. I met them in 2011, and uh, we decided to walk the long road to a fund. So from 2011 to 2013, spent time planning and then raising a 5 million euro fund for B2B SaaS. And then 2017, we uh, launched our new or current 36 million euro B2B SaaS fund from which we invest primarily in Finland, but also in the Baltic region. So I'm a product guy. I run products for F-Secure and still, you know, I'm in love with the product. And in SaaS, it's especially critical for the success of the company. So feel that I'm really where I should, should be in my dream job. So you're a product guy like uh, Steve Jobs. That's how he was often described as being a product guy at heart. And I, I wish I was Steve Jobs, but uh, I think he was a really consumer product guy. I think I'm more of uh, what OpenView pitches, you know, product-led guy. I'm, I'm always advocating that, you know, we should lead with the product and use the product to create leads, make it easy for people to onboard and change the way people buy software. I want our entrepreneurs to create products that can be taken into use in a, in a day or in, in an instant or in a week but don't require projects to roll that. So are you preaching the concept of PLG, product-led growth? That's what we want to really see our entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs in SaaS do, because I think that way you'll create a long-lasting, well, you can differentiate with the product, with, with the developing product, much better than you can, for instance, with marketing or because the, the existing customer base in SaaS is so important and you want to maintain and keep the customers. You have to give them a better product every day, a product that fits their need 
every day. So I think product-led growth is the way to go. You mentioned when we last spoke that B2B SaaS businesses can actually become more like B2C as they expand. They can somehow create a hockey stick growth path that's similar to a B2C company. Could you elaborate on those thoughts? So I think there specifically, I talked about Solo, which I'm very excited about. And it's, it's the last investment that I've made. So if you take a company like Solo that is accounting bank account and uh, your project proposal tool for solo entrepreneurs. There are 60 million freelancers in the market area where we double or in the market that we target and it's constantly growing. So what we end up doing here is, is if we start from a segment that is a million or two million, we can constantly expand that SaaS product to other freelancers. And in this way, we can create very large markets, not maybe, you know, to tens or hundreds of millions initially, like consumer products can do if you, if you look at games. But we can do, you know, a million, two million initially and grow to all of this, this 60 million. And I see this happening in many other SaaS products too. So in the smaller customer segments, I think good examples are, you know, like companies like Basecamp and others that have successfully created products that are capable of serving fairly large companies or even very large companies and then serving the freelancer space or the really small five-person companies. And in these, the growth hockey stick can be, in the number of customers, it can be very consumer-like. Plus, you have the chance to monetize different needs of, of segments or customer groups with modules or, or add-ons. So you, you might even get some dynamics that are much better than selling in-app purchases or others in games. Obviously, you don't get to add as large markets in, in terms of number of customers, but I think you get similar hockey sticks. At least we see from entrepreneurs, we see similar <laughs> hockey sticks. That's interesting. Now, when we last spoke, you mentioned some lessons you'd learned about pivoting, especially from MIPIN which was, yeah. I believe, your earliest or one of your earliest investments. It was my first investment from the 2013 5 million euro fund into a company that created uh, digital identities and security and a security product that could also be used to sign transactions, say these in-app purchases. Uh-huh. Very experienced serial entrepreneur called Marco Mehtal. I think it was his third company. He's now on to his fourth in stealth mode, though, so hard to... Uh, I, I don't want to speak, speak about the company and not spill the beans. But as a really, really experienced serial entrepreneur, Marco walked us really through the methodology of making pivots. And uh, I personally learned a lot. Although we got more than 1x on the investment, and uh, I guess all the investors and the founders made, made money. It wasn't a, a hugely successful. So it wasn't YouTube or Slack or Shopify, all these you know, big pivots everybody has heard. But it was a great learning experience. And what did you learn about effectively pivoting or indeed about ineffectively pivoting? So there are three phases to the company. So I'll, I'll just give these phases first and then let's walk through, through the uh, learnings and maybe then top three, three things I, I took away. So initially, the product was launched as a free premium product for massively multiplayer online role-playing game and their communities to basically tackle fraud. 
So somebody would sell your avatar or your gold or steal it. And that was a massive, massive problem. And the way to monetize this was, was with a hardware token or a software app that would then you know, add security so that people could not steal your goods on those gaming sites. And let's go to the pivot and, and learnings there. But the pivot then was to banking and selling the technology that they had as a licensed technology toolkit that could then be integrated into the bank's banking app for the same thing, for digital identities and, and signing transactions you do with the bank or documents you do with the bank. So it was a, a customer and a, and a business model pivot there. I'll go into the learnings a bit more. And then a third one, which was releasing a, and this was on-premise. So then moving on to a third pivot, which was into the telecom space, as we learned that telecoms want to take on or create a standard at the GSMA or GSMS Association with 1,200 members and I think more than 700 mobile operators. They wanted to take on the challenge of owning the digital identities and, for instance, being able to pitch three operators to a government body or a business that, you know, use our digital identity in, instead of something else, you know, bank ID or something else to do the authentication and we'll sell it to you on a transaction model. So a few cents per login. And there we did, again, customers and a business model selling you know, these transaction-based based identity logins. But we also took in partners. So selling with HP's enterprise integration unit and, and then so on. So, so three distinctive pivots and then being acquired by Inside Secure, who had Salesforce for telecoms and banks. And this was a really, really good fit into their Verimetrics uh, product line. So any company or entrepreneur seriously considering pivoting, what are the things they should take into account? So the, the biggest lesson for me was that, you know, when you do pivots, pivots are not small attempts, tweaking your business model and gathering a bit more data. Pivots are done at a point where, you know, you have facts and data that tells you that, you know, this customer is not the customer for me. I will not get product market fit or I will not be able to make this profitable or something takes too long. So in the initial market phase, this became very clear. So we had gaming communities that had tens of millions of players and still they did not consider fraud the most crucial item on their list of things to do. You know, when you have 20 million people, you have so many things in the game so many things where you, you want to retain the gamers and you can just you know, replenish their gold or, or do other things. It was not the pain point. So, I mean, we had huge amounts of, of data, uh, you know, free downloads and others. We, we learned that this is not just something that they will convert. And the gaming companies did not want to pay for this. So that was not going to happen. So we had to decide that, okay, Let's try something completely new that would fix this problem, but let's do a big enough change. And there we changed to selling almost, you know, projects, large licenses, half a million a pop, 250K. And uh, that's why we went to bank banks and decided to sell a toolkit. So we had everything ready for the banks. And there we then learned that, albeit you change something big, you still do need runway for 18 months basically do all the things that a software company or startup has to do to get to product 
market fit. It will not, you, you can't accelerate this. You always seem to need 18 months of runway. So you need maybe six months to complete the product and get through the pilots. You need another six months for the sales cycle. And then you need another six months to raise the next round to start hiring really people and not just you know, conduct this business with the small group of five guys I think we had that time. So the learning so far, you know, make a big enough change so that you are not just trying to do something incremental that gives you a little bit of information that you already have of a failure, but do something big. And then second is, you know, have 18 months of runway because you always need that extra six months to raise the funds. And here, the, the unfortunate thing was we learned that the integrators are key in banking. So if you can't fit the business model or you can't make sure that they're comfortable pitching a small startup to the big banks, you will not succeed. So what we decided to do is, is not wait, but raise a little bit more to extend the runway, a little bit more money and uh, sell both products. So the cloud product that we had from the gaming communities and the licensing product that we had, kind of an in-house digital identity product to telecoms and get the best partner who would promote us. And we got GSMA, who created even the standard specs for their online identity using screenshots from us. Then we started with them. We started to, uh, to sell pilots and um, trials in kind of SaaS mode, you know, taking a monthly, small monthly fee for the pilots to just make sure that we could sustain the, the length of time that we needed to then uh, make the partners like HP comfortable with us selling to the big telecoms with the support of the, the standard, which had our pictures from GSMA and closed the first deals. And when we were sold, I think we had uh, 10 pilots. So we didn't have any really closed accounts, but at that point we had 10 pilots. So we could call that lesson learned that, you know, <laughs> you have to have somebody credible. So we had the partners now and the GSMA support us and vouch us to the big telecoms to help close the pilots. But obviously, we could not raise that round. So, so we could not raise the round and we decided to uh, exit at that point. Or the founders decided to exit and we supported the decision. Who's the one that got away? The one startup you wish you'd invested in, you had an opportunity to invest in, but you passed? This is always a tricky question. So I'll go first through the ones that we really, in Finland, that we really admire and, and we wish that we would, would have been been in. So uh, I think two companies that we saw, but at that point, we were too small of a fund. And uh, we are happy to see that OpenOcean did, did Supermetrics. But uh, I don't know if you know the Supermetrics story. They've published it quite well now in, in, in the LinkedIn post. But I think Supermetrics is one of those companies that you know every Finnish investor wishes that they had invested even a tiny bit of money, money in. They've been profitable from that investment, and I think they've invested mostly profits to their growth, and they have that consumer hockey stick. So I really admire that company, and that's, that's on my list. And the other one is, there was one of my ex-colleagues, and they are really, really great guys in, in Ivan.io, that when we were closing our fund, I think we were a little you know, hasty there. Um, we did submit a term sheet. Uh, with another fund, and then Lifeline Ventures uh, did it. And uh, I mean, it's it's great that they raised money from a Finnish investor. And Lifeline is a, an amazing, amazing group of people. But Ivan is also one of these companies that 
really is a great great SaaS, SaaS company and has or serves the global market from the get-go with their uh, you know, cloud-hosted products that most of the um, enterprises who launch SaaS products need. So those two. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Startup Scale-Up Game Plan. Thanks, Guy. This episode of the Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent.